Hello everyone, episode five in another spectacular COVID week. Go team. Episode five, errata, X8750. Johnson. To General Shu Ido from Captain Michael Johnson. Sir, it is with deep regret that I must inform you of the recent accident on Rigel Cantaris 4. I have no excuses and take full responsibility for the loss of life and endangerment of the mission. There are no words to convey my sorrow for the families of the ten colonists and two service members killed, or my profound sadness that the terraform activities had to be stopped so disastrously and with such great casualties. We are attempting to conduct an after-action inquiry and investigation into the accident. The results are still preliminary. However, it would seem that initial results point to an unexpected phenomenon amplifying the terror reactor, essentially compressing what should have taken decades of molding and growth into mere seconds. The proto-terra surface simply expanded, consuming people, equipment, and energy exponentially faster with no scientific explanation. We were able to save most of the colonists by taking shelter in the intrepid living module, which seemed relatively protected from the events happening on the planet's surface, but those exposed seemed almost consumed. Their bodies seemed to decompose almost instantly, creating the thick topsoil and accelerating plant growth. I have no explanation. I've included a data stream of what little feed we have at the event, as well as what preliminary results we've been able to gather so far, but it is incomplete. The only positive side to this whole tragedy seems to be that the terraform is continuing at a more natural rate now, showing almost 60% completion and the atmosphere will support life and is self-sustaining. I would like to suggest, however, that we move all personnel to a planet-side orbit and monitor exactly what has happened, and if there is any chance that it can happen on other worlds. If your other survey teams have encountered anything like this, please let me know. I would hate to make the same mistake or endanger others with this awful experience. There is another, more personal matter. One of our engineers requires immediate medical attention. She was one of only two service members, besides me, to survive the experience, and we've had to keep her sedated due to her injuries. Our medical systems are not advanced enough to treat or even diagnose whatever's wrong with her. We're requesting a full resupply, partial evacuation, and a build team to remove all personnel to orbit. During this operation, I would like to ask that Engineer Singh be removed to a more advanced medical location and transferred to an orbital station to facilitate her recovery. I have no other injuries to report. Attachment 1, Event Data Stream. Attachment 2, Actor Action Review. Attachment 3, Terraform Summary. Attachment 4, Casualty Report. Attachment 5, Warno, Evacuation Resupply Mission. Attachment 6, Medfiles, underscore Singh. Attachment 7, Star Chart Survey 1. Respectfully, Captain Michael Johnson. Daniels. Jared was prying. He couldn't help it, though. Johnson had scared the crap out of him with that last letter, and he couldn't bear the thought of another catastrophic failure. Not another one. Please, just, if there's anything out there, just keep everyone alive through this. Singh had submitted the 100% design this morning, and he should be asleep. He should be able to trust that Johnson's chief and Mac and Singh could hold this thing together, but he couldn't. He pulled every official file from Rigel Cantaris IV, There was mention of an accident, that Singh had been wounded or injured. It seemed like there was some confusion. That 12 people died. There was no data. No investigation, no final report. He searched the web looking for something and found absolutely nothing useful. Acting on a hunch, he pulled Singh's medical file. Normally, he wouldn't have access to it, but since she was former service, he was still technically her commander. He could get to it. There was even a video file buried in there, supposedly from Nightingale Moon 1. Evidently, she had been transferred there after the accident, but it looked to have been mislabeled. The events were dated hours after the incident and still on Rigel Cantaris. He opened the file and hit play. The room is lead-lined, literally packed from wall to wall with dampers. Singh is strapped to the center exam table with an IV attached to her forearm, still unconscious. A captain is standing outside the gorilla glass with a woman who must be a doctor. Their voices come through hushed. What do you mean you don't know what's wrong with her? The captain looks awful, ragged, dark circles under his eyes, burned bandages reaching from his wrist to neck and part of his face. The woman puts her hand gently on his good arm. 
Mike, I'm sorry. I have to keep her this way. She motions to the pale, motionless figure on the table. Whenever she's conscious, she just loses it. The captain is breathing hard and seems to have trouble speaking. The doctor notes this, but keeps going. And it's more than that. Whenever I get her near a power source, she starts that weird bendy thing. She shrugs. I don't know what to do. Almost anything conventional I try would blind would kill her or make her a vegetable. The captain bows his head into his hands. His shoulders shake. What can we do, Elise? Is there anything? The words are barely coherent. She can't live like this. The woman, Elise, nods. I could try stripping her hippocampus and amygdala. There's some evidence that shows applied electric shock can kill or weaken neurons in those areas. She would essentially lose most of her long-term memory, and she may be unable to process emotion. She stops and looks at the figure on the table. There would be other effects. Maybe. Probably. I don't really know. Something will happen to her. It's not really an exact science. She turns back to the captain. It might kill her. Or it might make her forget this ever happened, that she was ever capable of doing something like this. I have no idea what went on in the surface. I can't even try and guess at the reactions. She shrugs. You're the commander. It's your decision. But even if we get this medevac out here, she can't go like this. The drug she's on would negatively interact with cold sleep almost immediately, and the stasis would absolutely kill her. And leaving her awake... Ugh. Well, you saw her. He slumps down into a nearby chair. I want to talk to her. Elise shakes her head. No, Elise, I have to try one more time. If she's that broken, I'll do it, but I have to know. Elise takes a deep breath as if getting ready for a fight, and then gives up. Fine, do what you want. There's no good ending to this, though, Mike. None of her baseline vitals are where they should be. She's reacting to everything at this point, and I, I don't know why. She opens the door and motions the man in, and shuts and locks it behind them, and then discontinues the drip line as the man sits next to the table, picking up Singh's hand. Hi, honey. He says it quietly and gently as her eyes flutter open. There's a moment when she almost smiles and then sense returns. You can see it on her face. She moans like a dying animal, tears tracing down her cheeks. No, 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 no. Stop, please, Kasha, you're safe. It's over, Mike tries to tell her. The girl doesn't register that she's hurt him. No, 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 no. Why won't you kill me? Kill me. Oh, God, please kill me. Her wrists and ankles are bound to the table, but her back arches as she sobs. Why won't someone kill me? Oh, God, I felt them die. I killed them all in my head. Kill me, God, please, somebody kill me. And she's tearing at her skin against her strengths, and the room begins to warp, change, almost as if space-time had gotten confused somewhere and was shifting phase. The woman clamps down on her arm and shoots her full of something, easing the back-breaking spasms and changing her screams to inarticulate whimpering. The man lays his head on the girl's stomach and weeps. Jared shut off the feed. Jesus Christ, what the fuck am I supposed to do now? Thing. I couldn't sleep. I never can before something exciting, and starting a full terraform underground, well, that was exciting. I was nervous and terrified and excited all at once the nerves making a gaping hole where my stomach used to be. Mac and I had gone over everything with a fine-tooth comb, and I was reviewing emergency procedures over and over in my head like I was reciting nursery rhymes. Humming to myself and running through every strain, every genetic code I could pull up, every model reaction, running it over and over again. I looked at the clock. Four hours till showtime. I could practically hear my pulse pounding. I kept picturing it in my head, how the machines would whine and slam into the slag, the deep purr of the reactor coming online, the rumble of a circulatory system coming to life and coating dead rock with living light, the rush of heat and dust as the driller inched forward, extending the radiation path. So exciting. It was so clear and so perfect in my head. There was a knock. I didn't hear it at first because, well, it was three in the morning and I have no friends. But I got up, palmed the vid, port, vid screen port, and saw Daniel standing outside, looking upset. Great. I opened the door. Evening, Major. What brings you down to the slums? He didn't even acknowledge the joke, just walked in and sat on the bed. 
saying, he said, how much of Rigel Quintaris do you remember? He looked intense and unhappy. I shrugged. Not much. Seems like kind of a waste to try and dwell on memories that aren't coming back. He turned on my display HMI and tapped in some commands. You have to see this. I don't want to upset you, but evidently this was you right after your accident. I watched the video. Curious, it didn't really seem like me. I guess I recognized the features, but she was so pale and so young. It seemed like a completely different person. I felt nothing. The feed was only about a minute or two. At the end, I looked at him and shrugged. So? He seemed nonplussed by the question. What do you mean? Aren't you even curious about why you were so badly hurt? I looked at the quiet, unconscious girl on the screen and felt nothing. No, it doesn't really matter. He stood up. What do you mean it doesn't matter? What if the same thing happens today? What if it's you or some other person strapped to that table again? What if you made a mistake on Rigel Cantaris that you're going to repeat here? Hmm. You might have a point. I held up two fingers. There are two main problems with that line of reasoning. First, since the accident on Rigel Cantaris 4 had no official cause and there was no published record of malfeasance, incompetence, or technical failure, there's no way to be sure that a mistake was, in fact, made. Second, the patterns of interactions that categorize a Class C terror event are completely different from the systems we've set up here. Essentially, assuming that Rigel Cantaris 4 was not intentional sabotage but was, in fact, an accident, the environs are so different that the odds of a similar failure are extremely low. I paused. I can see where you could surmise that since I'm really the only common factor besides the general mission to terraform, I would have some impact on today's activity. But that assumption is completely unwarranted. I'll have little or no effect on basically any of the events that happened today. I'm just flipping the switch. I stopped. He was quiet, and then... Is there any reason why I shouldn't put you in the tunnels today? Is there anything you need to tell me? I shook my head. Look, Daniels, I can appreciate you want to protect people, and I admit Rigel was bad. But there's nothing to be done. Who else is going to run this? You? Do you know how to calibrate the reactor? Do you know how to run the biofeed? What if we lose containment? Do you know how to initiate the emergency shutdown procedures? Does Mac? He shook his head. No. Never done anything like this. I've never been off a starship before. He bowed his head. I should never have been put here. I don't know what to do. It must have taken a lot for him to admit that, I thought. Service isn't known for honesty or vulnerability in its officers. I get it, Major. I understand. But either I run today's mission or we just shut it down. It doesn't matter to me which one. What do you want to do? I don't know. The cry was heartfelt, almost like a little boy. I don't know what to do. Ido's putting pressure on us to complete. We're running out of resources. Jesus, I've never had to worry about budget before, much less budget and 3,000 people and tech that I don't understand. What am I supposed to do here? I shrugged. I don't know, Major. It's your decision. You're the commander. He sunk lower into the bunk and closed his eyes in defeat. God, this is hard. I know, sir. What do you want me to do? He exhaled explosively and stood up. Fine, do it. I'll see you in the reactor chamber at 0700. I nodded. I'll do my best for you. That's all I could ask for. I was home on Rigel, sitting in the window seat next to the kitchen. Michael was cooking something. My face reflected back at me in the plexiglass, all sharp angles. I traced a couple scars, sharp reminders that I didn't know where they came from and a couple freckles I didn't remember. I looked so sad. You've always looked sad. Michael sat next to me. From the first day I met you. Really? I asked, turning to face him. He nodded and ran his thumb down my jawline. Always sad. I sniffed, feeling emotional. Well, you don't look so hot yourself, you know. You look worn out. His eyes crinkled and he chuckled. So now you know why I keep bringing us back to these memories. He looked out over the little biopod. It's where I was always happiest, and you too, I think. I leaned into his shoulder and turned back to the window. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for everything. He didn't say anything back, just rested his chin on my head and linked his hands in my lap. I'm sorry I don't remember, that I'm not who I used to be. 
I'm sorry for hurting you and making such a mess of things. He sighed. Me too. I'm just glad I can still see this sometimes, with a slight motion to our reflection in the window. You weren't the only one who got changed on Rigel. I'm just as much a freak as you are, so at least you're not totally alone. What? He shrugged. It's not that important. I don't really want to talk about it. I just like coming here for the peace and quiet. And you, of course. I could hear a faint smile in his voice. You have a very clear mind for all your baggage. No lies, no deception, no pain. It's very soothing. It doesn't hurt to hear what you're thinking. Most of the time, anyway. Good, I thought, and snuggled back more comfortably against him. I'm tired, Kasha. So tired. Every day is some new disaster. Everybody's day to have a broken heart. Everything just hurts all the time. I'm getting old. I can feel it. I don't know how long I can do this. His breath sounded ragged and came in short bursts with his face buried against my neck. I twisted around, holding my hands against his jaw. Yeah, but I like you better for it, I said, touching my lips to his forehead. Everything is going to be okay, I thought, as he brought his lips to mine. The problem with a terraform, of course, besides the fact that it's terrifically difficult to imagine, is that it is inherently unstable. The sheer scale and vastness of the energy production alone required to simulate growth conditions resemble creating a star on the planetary surface, or in our case, under the surface. Not only is that amazingly dangerous, but you have to correctly route the energy to each biosphere as necessary to stimulate growth in the correct order to trigger a desirable cascade reaction. Add to that, you need to ensure that the proper chemical reactions occur to, for example, create liquid water in the right order and at the right time. It was, as one of my professors has described, unleashing the hand of God. Today, we were giving birth to a baby star. Control was an optimistic term. The best we could do was set up the underdrain systems, position raw materials strategically, and essentially spew radiation like riding a hurricane. The force of the energy would spontaneously generate huge chemical reactions and start initiating positive feedback loops that would self-assemble complex compounds and self-perpetuate until reaching homeostasis. Hopefully, homeostasis looked like what we had planned and not, say, a smoking crater where a continent used to be. Or a black hole. Whatever. My crew hauled out the torsion ring that would become the reactor and staged it in the deep tunnels the diggers had just finished for us. This tunnel was supported by good bedrock for a thousand meters laterally in every direction, and we'd punch tracer holes in a spider web spiraling out to the surface in a complex fractal pattern generated by our modeling software. The Bugs and Bunnies crew and I had a flexible router to seed that pattern with genetically engineered protoplasm held dormant by the rock's cool exterior this close to the planet's surface. If this works, we should start picking up increased carbon dioxide readings starting as early as next week. Unlikely for it to happen that quickly, but it was possible. Trick was managing the exposure so we didn't burn the critters out and keep the living quarters just a few kilometers away protected from failure. Failure would mean instant death by radiation poisoning, or a slow death as the biological mechanical hybrid life support systems very gently died and exposed us to the natural planetary atmosphere. No pressure. Max stared at me in horror. You want to start up an uncontained fusion reactor in the pit? With people? No, of course not, I shot back. We'll be kilometers away from the pit. But there will be an access tunnel that leads back to it, obviously, because how else are the diggers going to get there? He dropped his head back, an expression of complete disbelief on his weathered black face. Please explain to me how we aren't going to kill all these people. I cleared my throat a little awkwardly. Well, I, I don't exactly know. He raised his eyebrows. Oh, so what, you were hoping I knew the answer to this design problem? Now you want my opinion? Oh, come on, Mac, don't be like that. You've been in on this one the whole time. You're the one who kept saying, oh no, I can't help you, I'm just a simple construction engineer, blah blah blah. I think we need to reach out to the chief over in Hadar. He's come up with some good solutions so far, and maybe he can help us with this one. Sure, sure, but this is all your idea. When we all turn colors and die of radiation poisoning, I want you to remember this conversation. He snorted. I'll write him, see if we can't get some specs out of the eggheads over at NGC 53162. Seems they were working on a reaction containment a couple years ago for orbital power systems, and since you've managed to burn all your professional bridges, it'll have to be me, won't it? He shook his head. 
you are high maintenance, kid. Get out, prep the digging crew. I've got work to do, and we're paying them, so they might as well start cutting the tunnels. Thanks, Mac. I've got the construction phase timeline posted in the last two simulation models for you to look at, or to send the Hadar guys. The last one showed a tentative probability of success at 2%. Yay! So that's something. I could feel the torsion reactor humming in my head. Energy, pure, uncanny light at its most intense, was building in the core. I could feel it like a living thing, breathing. My skin prickled, as if my hairs were in quantum sync with the awesome force that was currently sucking down 60% of our energy stores. It crackled against me like burnt ozone. We'd walled off the reactor with a lead-lined internal cave packed with dense gneiss and blasted with a com combined alloy of frozen hydrogen and carbon nanotubes. My breath fogged out against the Gorilla Glass plexi-blast shield in the cold atmosphere. The tech gave a thumbs up as the last buffer line was connected and the monster started waking up. My heart was pounding, thudding like an earthquake in my chest. My ears closed and all I could see was the reactor, a curiously beautiful twisted Mobius strip of metal glowing with increasingly intense blue-purple radiation. Suddenly dizzy, I knelt down and felt the smooth, solid rock under my fingers. Dimly, I could feel Daniels touching my shoulder and asking if I was all right, but my vision was gone. I was flying or falling into the stone, and suddenly I was flowing into the planet, following the rivulets of ink that glowed a myriad of colors, lighting me up, feeding me power and perspective, expanding me. I stretched my skin and felt continents move, felt a warm heat of my metal core loosening muscles made of atmospheric pressures and density differentials. I was breathing methane. Like the cool first breath of winter. Somewhere, like a whisper, I could hear a man screaming, but the words were nonsense. Time was nonsense. I felt nothing but joy, deep, powerful joy, and the ancient control of stone and stars. Nothing mattered but the ink in my blood, the shape of nature bent under my mind. There was a prick in my consciousness, under my skin, a heat like sunlight. I could breathe it. Water and oxygen tasted lovely. It wanted to live. I rubbed my skin against it. The chemical felt soft and slippery and very pleasant. Yes, I had no body, no planet, nothing but joy. Profound, lifting starlight of music in my head. The star wanted to live. I breathed out and felt the topology coalesce, felt the shapes meshing together, felt the system tie itself to my heartbeat, felt life surging through me and the patterns merged. I felt other heartbeats, pinpricks of souls like little tiny suns. And oh... I remember. I breathed out and wrapped metal arms around each pinprick. Each tiny life kept strong as the pattern shifted around them. Life. The patterns took physical shape again in my mind. I was back to being the planet. I could feel that incandescent, sensual glow everywhere now. My skin shimmered. Tiny things lit like stars, and I laughed. Dimly, I was aware of the sun glowing under my skin. It tasted like citrus and flooded me with more and more energy as I stretched my rock skin and felt the movement of air and soil around me. It felt like happiness. But the patterns had solidified. The system was crystallized. It was a complex interplay of light, taste, and music that felt right, whole, complete, and beautiful like a snowflake. And as if that thought was a, was a command, my planet sense faded. I felt my hands on the stone. Hands. I have hands. I saw my fingers. They were glowing and made of rock. Made of rock. I could breathe with my own lungs. I took a breath. Another. I looked up and remembered. The room was gone. The reactor was no longer metal and no longer functional. Somehow it had fused into the stone and had gone critical, turning what had been lead into brilliant, melted, multicolored slag. We were standing in a cathedral of ruined rock. The plexi was gone, melted. The tunnels spiraling out of the reactor were thick with slime and fungi, even some green plants already. I could feel that spiral rich with life, and then I knew that the surface now had lakes of water and green things. I don't know how I knew. I just knew. It felt right. My heart was full. Deep contentment and joy held on to me like a drug, and I was still floating on happiness until I saw the people. People were crying. I frowned. Why would you cry when everything was so right? Fear. Why are they afraid of us? It's beautiful. It's right. A man was next to me. 
His hands were gripping my shoulders much too tightly, and he had wrenched me up to stand. He has brown eyes, I thought. Pretty. I looked at, back at him without recognition or comprehension. I could feel that soft glow of a sun living in him, and I recognized it. It wasn't like mine, I thought. Wait. No, that's not right. It was like mine, yes. The planet was sleeping again, and my heart beat like his. I reached out my right hand and laid it against his heart. Life. Yes, I remember. A little curl of the former joy woke up again in me at the touch. His eyes got wide, and he threw me away from him, shouting something. Everything suddenly was moving too fast. The words seemed too small, time seemed wrong, or backwards almost. I knew I was supposed to do something, something with my voice. Yes, a voice. He had asked me something. But the world was shifting, moving too quickly for me to keep up. The man was gone, the gas cathedral was gone, and I was in a small white room alone. And then came the pain. White-hot agony burning my skin. Huge portions of it sloughed off, dead, and my nerves lit up. Blood from my ears, nose, eyes, white bones staring at me from my fingertips as the skin died and remade itself, the world fading to red as wave after wave of pain hit me, until finally, darkness. I was desperately cold, shivering on the floor. My new skin looked pale against the tiles, pale and waxy. It had regrown itself over the raw bones and exposed muscles while I slept. Daniels had come in hours ago. What did you do? He threw the words at me. What are you? I don't know, I screamed back. My insides felt torn, and a familiar crippling feeling of fragility and loss had filled up my head. I didn't hurt anyone. Barely, he hissed the words at me, shoving his face close to mine. And what did you tell the poor bastards at Rigel for? You butchered twelve people there. He pulled back, cold and detached. Now what am I supposed to do with some killer freak of nature on my base? Throw you a congratulations party? My insides were ripping apart. Tears poured down my face, and I remembered. I remembered everything. Michael, Rigel, Cantaris IV, and the unspeakable joy of shaping space-time in my hands. I don't care what you do, was what I tried to say. I couldn't speak, though. I was back in a cage on Earth with my skin on fire, and I couldn't breathe. I saw his lip curl in disgust. He slammed the door on his way out, and I heard the lock snick shut. Dimly, I could hear him shout, I don't give a fuck what her file says or what happens to her as long as she's off my rock. Tell Ido to pull a bullet somewhere important and autopsy what's left. All I could do was cry. At least there was some peace in sleeping. It didn't hurt now, now that I remembered. Michael was kneeling in front of me. No memory this time, just him in my white little cell, still vibrating from Daniel's. I had to peek over my knees to look at him since I was curled up so tight my muscles ached. He put his hands on my forearms and pulled me gently to him. Oh, baby, what have we done to you? I made a little choking sound as I fell into his lap. Why, Michael? Why didn't you kill me? I heard all those people. I shuddered. Murderer. Shame wrapped around me, smothering my words, making me blind. Stop that. Kasha, stop it. It was an accident. And look, here, you controlled it. You made something beautiful. He was rocking me back and forth, making soothing motions on my back. I could feel my chest loosening a little. You are worth saving. He buried his head in my hair. Poor thing. What have we done to you? I hiccuped. Who's we? The service, honey. None of this was your fault. He rubbed his hands up and down my arms, and that cold, burning fire of shame and self-loathing started to ease, just enough, just enough to breathe, for a moment. And then it seemed like my whole past, my whole sense of self, just sat up and slapped me. Worthless, I thought, and started to shiver again. Stop, Michael said. It's not your fault. I couldn't hear him. It didn't matter. Murderer, I thought. Kasha, stop it! I was an engineer, wasn't I? I was supposed to fix things. I was supposed to make things clearer and better. And what was I now? Where would I go? Daniels would shut me out of service work. The guild already hated me, and I was pretty sure they'd throw me out for this. How was I supposed to pay off my service contract if I couldn't work? How would I eat? What am I now? 
murderer. Maybe they'll put me in a penal colony. I started to hyperventilate. I'd be stuck on a half-finished Terra world or locked into space on a godforsaken orbital colony. My chest closed and I gasped. Michael's arms wrapped tighter around me. I'm so sorry, honey. I'm so sorry. Daniels. To Major Michael Johnson from Major Jared Daniels. What the fuck is she and why didn't you tell me? What am I supposed to do with this thing sitting in my medical bay? To Major Jared Daniels from Major Michael Johnson. Don't hurt her. Is she conscious? Did everyone survive? What happened? To Major Michael Johnson from Major Jared Daniels. Did everyone survive? That's what you're asking me? Are you serious? She's fine. We're fine. The planet is a fucking Earth. We turned on the reactor and 30 minutes later it's like we're sitting in a garden. What now? How do I explain this? What if she blows us up like Rigel Kintaris? What the fuck is going on? More importantly, you knew she could kill us with a thought and you let me put her down there. You son of a bitch. How could you do that? To Major Jared Daniels from Major Michael Johnson. Jared, please, I tried to warn you. Ido had me under a gag order and barred me from coming out there. I couldn't get a transport approved and I couldn't tell you the whole story. Ido said Rigel was a fluke and there was no way a human being could do that. I'm so sorry. I tried. To Brigadier General Shiu Ido, Major Jared Daniels, from Major Michael Johnson. Sir, it has come to my attention that a remarkable and uncontrolled event occurred on Explorer 3 and that there are grave concerns about the base safety as well as what to do with Engineer 2nd Class Singh. Considering that there were no injuries and considering that Engineer Singh may require medical attention and further inquiry into her skills may be warranted, may I suggest that you transfer her here to Hadar Oberdal Station. She may benefit from a change of scene and we can provide living quarters suitable to contain a fusion-level event on the off-chance that her abilities manifest themselves again. Dr. Elise Schneider has generously taken a look at Singh's medical history and has suggested some very simple modifications to our living quarters, as well as a tentative testing plan. We would welcome the opportunity to assist our brothers and sisters at Explorer 3, as well as gain a deeper understanding into this remarkable leap forward in genetic engineering capabilities. Respectfully, Major Michael Johnson, Commander, Hadar Orbital. To Major Michael Johnson, Major Jared Daniels from Brigadier General Shu Ido. Major, thank you for your concern. However, due to your past involvement with the asset under investigation, we have elected an alternative plan path forward. There is no need for you to concern yourself further with any facet of this case. Thank you. Respectfully, Brigadier General Shu Ido, Commander, Galaxy Forward Operations. To Brigadier General Shu Ido, Major Jared Daniels, from Major Michael Johnson. Sir, may I respectfully inquire what path command has chosen to initiate in regards to Engineer Singh? I, of course, am ready to offer any resources required here at Hadar to facilitate your selection. Respectfully, Major Michael Johnson. No response. To Major Jared Daniels from Major Michael Johnson. Jared, what's going on? Can I help with anything? Please, let me take Singh off your hands. No response. To Major Jared Daniels from Major Michael Johnson. Please answer me. What's going on? No response. To Engineer Second Class Singh, intercept. Reroute Major Jared Daniels from Major Michael Johnson. Akasha, are you all right? What are they doing with you? Where are you? Message returned to sender. Recipient not found. To Major Jared Daniels from Brigadier General Shu Ido. Major, I am sending you a specialist, Dr. Charles Lutron. He's familiar with the asset, even participated in its original design. You may address all your safety and operational concerns or questions to him. In the meantime, you are to have no further contact with the biological asset or allow anyone else to have access to it. Under no circumstances are you to place it nearer than 1,000 meters to a power source of 5 terahertz or above. Direct your medical officer to sedate it according to the attached instruction. This incident and all associated activities or persons are now considered privileged and confidential. You will cease and desist any discussion pertaining to the matter and will allow no speculation by your crew. Engineer Singh is dead. Function accordingly. Respectfully, General Ido. To Brigadier General Ido from Major Jared Daniels. Sir, message received. We'll comply.
thing. Fire. Fire was everywhere. I was burning. My eyes shot open and I gasped. The last I remembered, I was in my cell with Michael. But it must have been a dream. I tried to move and saw the straps. Someone had tied me to a table. Panic started clawing from my guts up to my throat. I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. A horribly familiar face waddled into view. Lutrin. Lutrin. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Please, God, let this be a dream. Hello again, my dear. His piggy black eyes bored into mine. Strange. I didn't remember seeing that light of savage joy in his fleshy face when I was a girl. You're all grown up now, aren't you? He stroked a cold, clammy hand along my forehead. My stomach recoiled, and I felt the pit in my guts open wider. I understand you've had some excitement over the past couple weeks, he continued, and I've come all the way out here to see you again. He turned away. I noticed the plexiglass window cut into the side of the wall. I have so many questions, my dear, so we should get started right away. My throat closed in sheer terror. Suddenly I was sixteen again, burning. I tried to scream, but only a ragged whisper came out. Oh God, somebody please help me? Stupid. It's not how this work. works. There's never anyone out there. I closed my eyes, felt old familiar despair wrapping around my heart, and waited. The thing about pain is that it can always get worse. I know people say that it can't, but that's a load of crap. The most debilitating pain, of course, is when you convince yourself that it's almost over or that it can't get worse and you find that next wave coming. Or at the point where you lose rational thought and you forget that you are never in pain and all you can do is wait for the next bit that will rip you apart. You can't think, you can't do anything but scream or pass out, and there's no worse or better or anything, really. I don't know what Lutron did. I don't have any memories that involve sight or sound or anything but screaming lightning rocketing from my spinal cord to my brain, over and over and over and over, until something different. I felt something that didn't hurt. The other thing about pain is that for the eternity that you're trapped in your own head, you are completely, intensely, 100% focused and committed to not being in pain anymore. In my head, I latched onto that tiny spark and pulled with any every tiny fiber of my being, ripping space-time into a new pattern with nothing but sheer will. I was dimly conscious of a jagged burp pattern of space, and the shock of new pain blew whatever control I might have had to bits. There was only the fire, burning, flames, burying me in hot, brutal energy. Safe, I thought, I need to be safe was my last need before feeling the earth swallow me up and rip apart my skin as I dematerialized through the depths of the planet. Mac was above me. His lined face was broken with an expression I didn't understand. I'd somehow moved myself through the earth and into his horrible little office. I'd literally erupted through the floor in front of him. I felt a flood of relief. Safety. Mac was safe. Mac would fix it. He was gingerly holding me in an old blanket crouched on the floor in his office, and the world spun and fell like movement of waves. I tried to talk, but the pain was excruciating, searing my skin from my forehead to my spine. I gasped, and I could hear Mac's fierce whisper, Holy shit, Ma! Holy shit, Mama! Don't move! No, don't move! You're burned so bad! Jesus, fuck! Brennan, get me a med kit and a bot and keep your goddamn mouth shut! I let my eyes close and gave in to the nothingness. Matt got me out. He smuggled me into a medical freighter. I don't know how. I never asked. He must have put me into cold sleep and boxed me up like so much baggage. I woke up in a biogel box on Cygnus with third-degree burns over 60% of my body. Massive neural trauma. And whatever else Lutron did, I don't know. Section 3. When a charged particle is placed in an electric field, it will migrate to the pole of opposite charge. This movement is called electrophoresis. As the particle moves, a portion of the water near the surface moves with it. This movement displaces the ion cloud and gives it a distinct shape. The electric potential between the shear plane of this shape and its surrounding environment is called the zeta potential. Water and Wastewater Engineering, Design Principles and Practice. Chaos and Ergodicity Chaos may, more or less, be used to describe any deterministic dynamic that is non-periodic and unpredictable. 
Mathematically, there is some considerable debate on the exact definition. Even with this controversy, use of chaos theory has allowed mathematicians to model much more complex behaviors, especially when combined with ergodic theory, which allows for the insertion of a time quantity. This has generated the intriguing concept that apparently random behavior is, in fact, traceable to a determinable origin or event. Mathematical Insights and Practical Applications Attractors are fundamental to chaos theory. Let us describe them as something that causes something else to approach or draw near. There are generally three types of attractor discussed in chaos theory. Fixed, periodic, and strange. A fixed attractor is a single point toward which motion tends. Two examples are a magnet and the center of a spiral. A periodic attractor is a set of points through which motion oscillates and does not settle down to a single point. We can think of the motion as traveling in an orbit. An example is the positive and negative amplitude swings in a sine wave, or the to-and-fro motion of a pendulum. Strange attractors are so-called because they were unexpected and impressed early researchers as, well, strange, since they eventually returned to the same general area, but never exactly the same place, and they are the essence of chaos. Charles Madden I woke up to weird liquid syllables rumbling around my ears. The words were like falling water, lilting, quick, staccato sounds that somehow echoed through me. A stranger with slit pupils was looking at me intently and spouting one deeper echo of a waterfall, while a second stranger made shushing sounds pointing to me and interrupting with a softer waterfall. They paused expectantly. I stayed still. This wasn't the first time I'd woken up in a strange medical bay. It was a familiar feeling by now, honestly. I was aware I was naked, lying in a cold sleep pod covered with what felt like frigid mucus. The strangers were small and slight, fine-boned. Their skin was a rich golden color made up of infinite hexagonal scales. Hairless with lovely amber eyes, they were wearing biosuits. I got the feeling that they were female, but I don't know why. They weren't mammalian and had no outstanding gender characteristics. The softer waterfall figure evidently got tired of looking at me expectantly. Z touched my face with long, thin, hard fingers. Zer's skin was warm and smelled like frankincense. Immediately I felt Zer in my head, not words exactly, but rather each word brought a flood of sensory images, feelings, responses. Who are you? they asked. I saw myself naked, alone, unconscious, unprotected. I didn't know how to answer. You are safe here. Images of Zur and the other figure replacing burn bandages, providing living quarters. Our friend has asked us to take care of you. This was sent with a picture of Mac, though he was younger, and he was standing in floodwaters, shouting silently and desperately trying to haul diversionary gates closed as water washed over him, dragging him under the waves. What? Wait, Mac? I thought. Yes, the images answered me. Again, the image of him trying to turn the flood and being dragged underneath the water. Drowning man is our friend. Who are you? came the question picture sense again. Who am I? I don't know. I used to be smart. I used to be an engineer. I used to be a scientist. But all I felt now was emptiness. Not smart. Not an engineer. Nothing. Nothing but scars and sadness. The figure framed my face as if confused. This is not accurate. This is a reflection of pain, not you, the feeling said. I looked into myself again and saw nothing but complexity, an infinitely repeated problem too overwhelming to solve. But oddly, that mental image seemed to make sense to Z. Yes, Z sent, and showed me a picture of the Mandelbrot set cycling through scaling laws. I'm a fractal in motion, I thought. Yes. Fractal in motion. I felt Zer approval ripple through me. Z said something in waterfall to the other being, and the other's scaled skin turned from gold to salmon pink. Pink waterfall left. Gold waterfall reframed my face and sent. Fractal in motion. I am. And here I saw a burst of an exploding star viewed in infrared, microwave, and thermal false color. Expanding energies lit in an indescribable spectrum of color, taste, and music in a synesthetic burst. 
a shattered star of beautiful chaos. Beautiful chaos, I thought at it and felt approval. Approval and something else. Something that felt like Z was pouring warm honey through my abused nerve endings, like someone had wrapped me in a warm blanket and held me, and I started to cry. I don't know what beautiful chaos thought of our first meeting, or my inauspicious leaking. The Catalan don't cry and must have thought it an appalling waste of water. Time is relative, and my poor brain and body had had enough. I don't remember the first few weeks, felt nothing but heartache and pain as twisted skin learned to bend again and muscles learned to move scarred limbs instead of smooth ones. But the Catalan were gentle, kind, and completely implacable. Strong telepaths and empaths, they communicated most of their beautiful language directly into the neural cortex. No lies, no pity. Nothing but good, honest healing inside and out. My unique problems weren't that unusual to them, evidently. They had many like me who could execute similar feats, and beautiful chaos was shocked that I had received no training, no care, no explanation that my phenotype was compatible with this type of rapid energy manipulation. Or really anything. Z sent me a picture of a book with a DNA code on the front cover, and then a picture of a baby stumbling through a forest. Your nature was obvious, it said. And who would blame the baby for breaking branches or scraping his knee? We don't blame the child who gets abused. It turned out that Mac had first met the Catalan that had met the first Catalan that contracted our service. It turns out that Mac had met the first Catalan that contacted our service at Cygnus. Their homeworld was KIC eight five six two eight five two in our mapping parlance, and our first scouting ships had reached their space almost a decade ago. Mac had been the chief for the orbital station we built out there. Once the brigadier general in charge had learned that the Catalan were literally incapable of harming another sentient, he stole their outrigger ships, abducted the crews, and almost threw us into a planetary relations nightmare. Mac rescued most of the crews and had shut down the station long enough to let them escape, earning them their eternal friendship. He had left a letter in my box that Beautiful Chaos had given to me after I was capable of more rational thought, as opposed to just eating, sleeping, and crying. Sing. I'm giving you to the cats for a couple reasons. One, they're good. They won't hurt you, and they'll heal you up right, mind and body. Two, they have spooky skills as well. I don't know if it's the same spook as you've got. I never heard of one of them melting planets or creating baby wormholes to dump themselves in their boss's office, but what do I know? But they're the best choice I had for you. You can't come home. Service says you're dead. Had me fill out the paperwork as your boss. You aren't coming home ever again. I don't know how you did it, but you burned the med lab down to molten earth and you're too dangerous to keep around. Rumor is that they're going to send a bounty hunter out for you. Here's what you have left. Took your assets and life insurance and gave it to your next of kin, which is you. Congratulations, you're now Zeta Smith. He made up a will and a power of attorney for you and transferred everything in there. I also got an old friend to work up an ID chip and a new partial implant for you to make it legit. Somebody had torn out your old one and done a pretty shitty job. Saved me and Doc some trouble, though, pulling the rest of it out, so I guess it worked out for the best. Anyway, so that's it, kid. You have friends, you have some place to stash, some cash, and a new start. I would have done more if I could, but it's the best I got. The cats are all right. If I had known you were spooky, I would have hooked you up sooner, but oh well. Hindsight, what can you do? The drowning man saves the day again. Poor Mac. Wave Phenomena Waves are disturbance propagation in some medium. These disturbances may be energy changes, physical structures, atomic motions, and the propagation may be in any medium, including empty space. Waves can transfer energy and interact with a multitude of objects. This can result in refraction, diffraction, and scattering, as observed in the wave-particle duality of light, for example. Mathematical Insights and Practical Applications Mariah shuddered in the ion storm. Her long legs rumbled with the impact of tiny micrometeorites that penetrated even into the nebula. Those legs wrapped into a metal heart shape with a long tube down the middle and a soft crown where the bridge perched on top. The way the sparks ricocheted off her skin and lit up the space dust pink and yellow was quite pretty, and the brief blue shocks as ionic energy skipped like lightning down her legs or on her cylinder core was stunning. I had turned the external sensors down the side of her skin to watch the show. She'd been a Catalan ship, boarded and confiscated by the service a standard decade ago. 
As such, she was complete with telepathic uplink, neural AI controls, and a multiphasic propulsion system that included supercharged ion drive, solar sail, biomass converter, and raw chemical jets, which all made for one of the finest deep space-capable ships in the galaxy. Good for a life of crime, evidently. Ever wonder what it's like to work for the devil? I know. Which is why I dumped my life savings into buying a lovely old ship, and I'm now, well, I don't know what I am now. Smuggler, legitimate freight mail transport, confused, all of the above. Forged identity, living at the edge of space, alone in an alien ship. Daedalus was a dive. For a big space station, it was as shitty as you can get and still function. Low-res gravity, bring your own oxygen, and the cheapest docking fee in the sector, which was its main appeal. I sighed a little as I guided Mariah into port. I couldn't operate the grappling systems for docking in full link, only pilot, so I had to do it manually, which always seemed vaguely wrong, like writing with my left hand. Everything felt clumsy and awkward. Nevertheless, docking went off well, and I emerged on Daedalus, suited up and ready for work. See, the problem with being a freelancer was trying to look legitimate and still get work. I'd had no idea how much administrative bullshit ran the universe. It never stopped. Registering your craft with the station master, listing jobs, providing documentation so that the service pigs could come and inspect your rig with bureaucratic efficiency. I got spoiled being in the guild. Being a one-woman operation, I usually signed on for freight and mail, since taking passengers seemed like begging to get jacked. I could just see myself waking up floating next to some POS suborbital station in an escape pod as Mariah made tracks far, far away from me. Because people suck. I registered. With the station master, like I was supposed to, and started the boring wait for the official job request, logged flight plan, and then went hunting some dive where real work could get done. Now, I am a fastidious person. In my other life, I had standards. I never cared for alcohol, drugs, or sex. Even in my descent to poverty, I still had some sense of moral repugnance looking at the shit that my fellow independent operators did to each other and the civilians they dealt with. Read this bar. Describing it as a shithole would be too generous. Prostitution, drug use, right out there in front of everybody. Ugly bastards, too, who should have been paying for a shower and a haircut instead of blowing coin on being blown. Drunk bastards. <sighs> At least I knew the bartender. I sat down and ordered something as close as possible to straight ethanol. I wouldn't drink it, and maybe I could use it to disinfect myself after getting through this unpleasantness. Hi, AJ. Oh, AJ, my one true love. AJ, the bartender, was a gigantic dyke, an absolute lesbo, which is the only reason she started talking to me in the first place, and she thought that I played for her team. This is important only because us struggling newbie operators have to take advantage whenever we can. I'm not averse to using what's left of my feminine wiles when appropriate. Built like a truck, AJ was just shy of two meters, stout, shaved head, tattooed like a mercenary, since she formerly was, and also the proprietor of this fine shell tool. At my greeting, that shaved head swiveled in my direction. Well, fuck me. Little Zeta. Honey, come out from the clouds. Where you been, sugar? Been months since we've seen you here. I started a little at hearing my new name. I still hadn't adjusted to it. I kept wanting to look around for the person they were actually talking to. She dropped my shot glass of ethanol in front of me, and I tried not to see that the glass had black things swirling in it. Probably, probably a malfunctioning water treatment system. Maybe. Ew. God, I'm such a prig. Getting used to civilian life is going to take a minute or two. Definitely spoiled by service and guild. AJ, you know my place. You know your place is my favorite bar in town. True. She didn't have to know it was the only bar I'd ever been to. And you always have the best service. Anytime I need a resupply, you know I'm coming to you. I thought about batting my eyelashes. I'm not sure I knew how. Is that even a thing? I could barely dress myself now that I didn't have a uniform to wear. Flirting might still be too advanced for me. AJ didn't seem to mind the lack of eyelash movement. She dropped her big elbows on the counter and rested her head in her hands so she could look me in the eye. Resupply, huh? You didn't want to show up just for company? I could give you the grand tour down here. You could make some new friends, spend some quality time on the station. She reached out a little as if to touch me, and I immediately recoiled with a shudder. No. I hated being touched. Fuck. How do you flirt when you can't stand human contact? 
I kept expecting her to tear her shirt off and scream, AJ mad, fuck you now, and drag me off by my short hair. Or short hairs, whichever. Let's try to avoid that. I shrugged as naturally as I could and tried not to seem nervous and awkward. Just pretend you know what's going on. It'll all be okay. Who needs new friends when I have you, AJ? I tried to feel pretty. God, what a farce. She seemed to appreciate it anyway. Where are you off to next, Veda in the clouds? She said instead, and seemed to take the hint. Those big clubs of hands retreated back safely behind the counter. I sat back and stretched. Big stretch. Not much to see, even if the chest plate hadn't been in the way, but it's the thought that counts, right? Not going to tramp around a reduced atmosphere Wild West show without some Kevlar and oxygen. Going to the NGC 5316 near the cluster on the mail run. You know how it is out here, though. It's tough on us freelancers to get enough work, especially with all these virus rumors floating around. Nobody trusts us with all the new planets under quarantine. Service inspections and blockheads make it, blockades make it hard to make a living. AJ's face got real quiet. I could tell those rumors scared her, and I could have kicked myself. I need stuff, not to scare off the one friend I've managed to make out here. Oh, sure. She started stacking some glasses, intently ignoring the drunk asshole in the back, kept trying to get her attention. Oh, I know how it is, darling. Tough going at it alone. How long you in port? I might have a friend who'd like to meet you. You know, single lady looking for work and all that. She smiled and winked. I would have loved to know why that was a joke. Whoosh. There it went, right over my head. Lie. Lie your ass off, girl. I laughed. She laughed. Evidently that was the right thing to do, and the crisis was averted. Uh, I'll just, I'll be here until I get that mail pickup. It usually just takes a few days. I'm down in Bay 2, though, staying on ship since I can't afford a bunk price. And who would want to, unless you're sharing? It's easier and more pleasant to stay on ship. Safer, too. Who knew what parasites you could pick up here? Maybe even sick people, like all the news reports warned about. Daedalus was big enough. It was a real threat. The decon checks were getting pretty restrictive for a reason. Aw, oh, honey, I'd give you a real good price here, free for you, for a limited, limited time only. May not be a real rest for you, though. She gave me a significant look. Even I got that one. Danger, danger. I would prefer not to have to have energetic sex just to secure a job. She might kill me, and I was pretty sure I'd be really, really bad at it. Excuse shit, I need something believable. AJ, you know you are my favorite person in the universe, but I just got involved with someone and she is so jealous. She's just a little thing, but she'd come hunting you down here and you'd have to kill her, and who wants murder on a work day? So inconvenient. I tried a winning smile. Oldest one in the book, invent a significant other. She looked a little taken aback. I thought you were alone out there. Where's this girl? You keeping something planet side? She think quick. Um, well, you know how it is. Sometimes the pretty ones aren't worth much work for real work. Another smile, big eyes, make the nice lady believe you. She's got no head for business. I just keep her around for the company, you know. AJ's eyes, eyebrows raised up. She didn't say a word. Oh man, I'm bad at this, I thought. Danger. We are in a tailspin. Loss of altitude control. Abort mission. Abort mission. Well, I'll let my friend know. You take care now. AJ turned finally to the drunk guy at the end. Evidently my audience was complete. Oh, fuck me. Mess that one up. If you only have one contact, you shouldn't fuck it up. I'm a terrible civilian. I sighed and left. How do people manage to live without service or guild protocols? Defeated, bored, and disgusted, I made my way back to Mariah. Coming home to Mariah always made me feel better. When she was new, her skin would have glowed silver and gold with built-in passive electromagnet vacuum shields surrounding her body. Twenty years and a hard life later, her skin was a patchwork of repairs, more like weathered granite than molten silver. Her command center had been retrofitted with a number of gizmos designed for poor humans with greater oxygen needs and higher biofuel consumption. The algae tanks and matter converters bulged along her crown. They were nicely done, but much bulkier and more space-consumptive than the original Catalan designers would have tolerated. Her solar sail was folded along her belly like a fin, giving her more of a manta ray look than the original design of a split heart. Still, she was handsome. Every time I saw her, I felt a deep sense of satisfaction. 
Her skin may have been pockmarked, her sensors jerry-rigged out of old cruiser parts, and she may have been a hodgepodge of life support systems, but she was mine. She only cost me my identity, ethics, and life savings. Small price to pay for freedom. Fucking service.